Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the podcast. This is the JRPG Report, episode 165. I'm your humble host, James Fisher, and we're back again this week with some awesome news to talk about. Uh, we uh, had some breaking news uh, this morning from the Legend of Heroes Kirill Nokaseki. We're going to be detailing a couple new characters, uh, locations, and the uh, mysterious, uh, even more mysterious, how do you pronounce it, uh, Zypha system. Uh, <laughs> not sure how uh, how you say that, but we'll figure it all out. Uh, we've got Final Fantasy VII Remake Integrate, uh, quote-unquote, final news before um, the big re-release on PlayStation 5, along with the intermission um, new DLC, Scarlet Nexus is here. We've got Near Reincarnation, and uh, we've got some other fun stories to talk about, including a uh, JRPG unlike any you've ever heard. So stay tuned towards the uh, the back of the podcast for that. But let's get into the uh, the bigger stories of the week. Like I said, this one popped just a few hours ago, and you know uh, I've been uh, reminiscing a bit over uh, how long podcast has been going on and if you're a longtime listener like uh, Jeff there you would know that uh, the the format has changed over the years we've uh, released on different days of the week uh, we've kind of settled into the Thursday here lately but it's not always been that way I, at the very beginning I want to say it was once a month of uh, me putting out the podcast I think it quickly changed to every two weeks and uh, as the uh, format grew and uh, the need was there for a, a every week podcast. We've had Sunday specials as well. But anyway, I say all that to say I'm so glad it comes out on Thursday because usually sometimes that's when these things break. And uh, of course, I appreciate all you guys for tuning in each and every week to the show. Let's talk a little Kiro Nokoseki. So, first up, the two new characters that uh, were introduced. The first is named Rosette Twinnings. She is 20 years old. She uses a weapon and blade gear. So perhaps a little bit like Instructor Sarah. Um, she says her uh, her quote is, To serve my client is my duty and pride. A woman dressed in a maid outfit who works as a service. Um, oh gosh, how do you say that? Huh? It's. It looks like if you pronounce it how it uh, sounds, it's concierge, but uh, there's some fancy way of saying it. You guys are probably all yelling at me. Um, anyway, she works at the Marduk Total Security Company. While her pale green hair gives off a cold impression, she is actually very social and polite. I believe they meant to say eyes there, her pale green Eyes give off a cold impression. A little typo there on Gametsu. We love you guys, but I caught you one there. She's actually very social and polite and has a cute sense of humor. Actually, uh, when I first saw her eyes, I almost thought she might be an, um, uh, a homunculus android something. Uh, we've had those in this series, but I don't believe so. I believe she is actually human. Unlike her graceful appearance, she has superhuman strength, speed, and combat capabilities that at times surpass even seasoned Jaegers. So, uh, first similarity would be like to Sharon uh, with the maid outfit, uh, super strong. Um, that is the obvious comparison. Uh, 
just to uh, take a look at it. She maintains a strictly business relationship with Van, the Spriggan detective character, by giving him weapons and exclusive, exclusive Zifa apps free of charge, and in turn collects data from his usage as an external tester. So that's the one new character that we know about. Of course, there's been four previous before now, so these are um, assuming to be new character uh, party members, so this will put us up to six. The other one is Quatre Salasayon. It's hard to know how to pronounce these things without hearing them first, of course. And he is 15. He uses a pulse gun and orbital drones. This is a very uh, cool-looking character. Uh, a young research a researcher attending a master's course at a science university at the age of 15. His neatly trimmed silver hair and feminine face emit an atmosphere that makes... Uh, makes them easy to approach. His major is researching and developing orbital drones that use the new Zifa standard artificial intelligence, but he also helps out in the physical and bioengineering labs and has a strong attachment to the observatory, which is the symbol of the university. Due to a certain circumstance as a child, he was adopted by Dr. Latoya Hamilton, the mother of the orbital revolution. And Astin's cared for like his own grandmother and aspired to become a researcher himself. So, it uh, uh, kind of runs around. It shows uh, at least two different uh, orbital mechanisms running around with him. One is in the air. The other one is kind of a um, <clears throat> large cat or beast type of machine looking. looks pretty uh, intimidating, to say the least. So... You know, th this society, it has a weird feel to it. While it may appear um, maybe a little bit more Eastern and traditional looking, they're also on this huge orbital revolution and quite advanced uh, at that. So you over the course of these, um, of course these games, we have seen technology just explode. Uh, from <laughs> uh, seemingly next to nothing in the Sky Games, obviously there was a lot going on behind the scenes, to this is quite a leap, not unlike our own evolution. Uh, certain places experienced it quicker than others. Uh, one of the places that you will be visiting is Langport, the Shining Capital. It's a massive port city facing the South Sea. It's also called Neju, and it's located in South Calvert. Langport's scale is larger than Crossbell, the city of trade, and Ordes, the ocean capital. And in recent years, it has been referred to as being the second heart of the Republic that symbolizes diversity. Other than its business and shopping districts that house modern sky sky <laughs> skyscrapers, it also has the largest eastern quarter in the continent and is known as the shining capital due to its beautiful glimmering night skyline. There were some images that uh, went along with that. It shows a the Hotel Kulun. I believe that's how you say that. It shows a... Uh, it has an orbital car. And if you remember what some of the cars looked like, uh, in particular, like in Crossbell, or... Um, uh, oh, gosh. The name is escaping me at the moment. Some of the cars in the capital there. This one appears to be a little more advanced. Uh, the uh, the previous cars, 
that we've seen so far in the Cold Steel series looked er, like earlier cars. They were definitely more luxurious as they were very expensive. Um, but kind of look like some older, you know, model cars would maybe in the EDS in the, I don't know, 40s or 50s, maybe 60s. These appear to be kind of modern, sleek-looking, smaller cars, uh, very sporty, at least from the, the one image that we have. The The city looks amazing. Um, I can't wait to run around it. The images that we got today are uh, incredibly detailed. You have to... <laughs> Assume it's not been specified, but this is PlayStation 5 written all over it. I cannot see them able to do this level of detail on a PS4. It may be available on PS4, but this is showing off some next generation stuff. They also talked about, I guess you say it, Basil or Basil, the industrial city. It's a city southwest of Calvert. It's uh, located on industry, focused on industry and academics. Basel has long been known for its history in natural science research and is home to the Basel Science University, which boasts its own observatory. Back in the Middle Ages, there was a craftsman's guild that helped forge machinery and equipment for architecture, irrigation, industry, and academics. Now, after the Orbital Revolution, the Craftsman Guild and University joined forces to form the Verne Industrial Company. Longtime series fans will have heard that name before. A joint city planning project is in the place to make the city a high-tech industrial academic city, such as connecting district on different levels with a ropeway while maintaining its beautiful landscape. And indeed, it is beautiful. Uh, I mentioned the Marduk Total Security Company, the uh, first character. I forgot her name. What is it? Rosette works for. Well, they are a total securities company located in Ord, as well as a private military company. It was founded around 10 years ago. Um, how uh, They say, unlike Jaegers, it offer it often offers plans that just barely manages but not violate the laws of the operating company. So that's good. And then we did learn more about the Vern Industrial Company. It's a large technology manufacturer which headquartered in the engineering of Basel. It's often compared to the Empire's Rhineford Group, but due to its industry academic nature, its footwork is relatively low, and it takes a multilateral and polished development approach through an academic lens. Um... During the Orbital Revolution, the aforementioned Professor Hamilton, which is one of the three pupils of Professor Epstein, we've heard that name a few times before, the inventor of Orbital Gear, brought back the technology and became the advisor to the company. After it succeeded in developing the first Orbital car on the continent, Vern Industrial Company invested its research in developing advanced technologies such as Orbital photos and video to record footage from astronomical telescopes. It is also the catalyst for the creation of other unique, uh, other cultures unique to the book, such as Orbital Cinema, which combines video technology and popular culture. So that's a little bit more about some of the places you'll go and people you will meet <coughs> in Kironikoseki. Now, like I said, this just popped off today. So I've read through this once. I still don't completely get it. Um, <laughs> this is going to be the orbit system for this game, and it does appear to be a little more complicated. Uh, it is, again, phone-based, um, as the other ones, you know. It always appeared to be basically cell phones, and you put different pieces 
uh, into them, uh, boosting stats and spells and all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> Think of the Arcus units of previous games, um, kind of like early model cell phones, maybe like an iPhone 2 or 3. You know, and it advanced a little bit. You got video and text and then there eventually. So maybe up to the iPhone 6s or 7s. These ones, <laughs> uh, they would be either the iPhone 12 or 13 or 14. They are much more advanced in their nature, much smaller, but at the same time uh, with a larger video screen. They're calling these the sixth generation of tactical ornament Zepha, which dis deploys pieces of ether known as shards around its user and enables them to manipulate them to activate various functions. These IFA awful also has several new features that enhances the player's abilities, including hollow cores, which change the overall performance of the IFA, arch drivers, which install various orbital magic and shard skills, which activate according to the amount of Quartz. It goes into a lot more detail about uh, all these different mechanics. Um, I'm not going to, you know, bore you with a bunch of numbers and everything, but needless to say, if you've played the Legend of Heroes games, you kind of know what's going to. This just looks like the next evolution of that process. The game as a whole is an evolution of the Legend of Heroes games, so why not overhaul the Orbit system as well? It just sounds a lot more complicated. <laughs> and like I said, I read through it and I still don't necessarily even understand everything. But needless to say, this is going to be the basis of the game. And uh, you're going to need to go through a few tutorials, <laughs> perhaps, to understand it. But yeah, if you're interested in some of the images that I uh, talked about, you can check them all out either through our social media channels, through Facebook or Twitter, JRPG Report. Or if you've not already, head over to YouTube, type in JRPG Report, pull up our channel, and I made a uh, slideshow with all the images back-to-back. Uh, -back. You can look at them at your leisure. and uh, Give us a like and subscribe if you've not already done that. Uh, as of right now, this game does not have a release date, and it doesn't even have a platform for sure that's coming up, but this is coming to PS5, guys. There is no doubt in my mind whatsoever it possibly could have a quote-unquote dummy-down version for PS4, but every image and video that I've looked at screams PS5. I do not see how this game would be possible on PS4, just to be frank about it. It is due out sometime in 2021 in Japan, I I hope that it does. I I just don't know. Um, it seems awfully ambitious for a game that has changed this much about the series to still make it out on such a short time frame. However, until proven otherwise, I'm going to take Falcom at their word and hope that it does make it out this year. Um, that <laughs> the next obvious question is when's it coming out for the West? My best guess, if it comes out in Japan this year, then we would hopefully get it in the fall or winter of 2022. Nothing is guaranteed. First, we got to get Hajimari. <laughs> we all know the debacle going on with that. But I am super 
Super excited about this game. Uh, one of the earlier comments on the video was that they were, you know, a 10 out of 10 on the hype level. And I said, I'm I'm Spinal Tap. I'm cranking this thing up to 11 as I could not be any more excited about this one. And I feel a little bad since we've not gotten Hajimari yet. I've still got that experience to go through before this game. And it's, you know, I'm excited about Hajimari, but nothing like I am about this game. I kind of want to get through it in order to get to Kiro no Kaseki even faster. But definitely exciting and a great way to start off today's podcast. Let's dive into some Final Fantasy VII Remake Integrate news. Uh, this kind of was a little surprising because uh, Final Fantasy and Square Enix were hosting a um, Final Fantasy VII, the first Soldier official live stream broadcast. This, that's the uh, Fortnite-inspired Battle Royale game. We won't talk about that one. But uh, I guess, <laughs> just to shake things up, they started talking a little remake integrate as well, probably at the end of it. Um, they showed off the quote-unquote final trailer for remake integrate. And, pro- you know, the intermission DLC showed off some new footage. Again, I'm hyped about this one, but Square Enix has a terrible track record of probably showing too much. There is a um, boss battle in there with a certain bad person character that I kind of wish I would have experienced that on my own. I didn't know that because we don't know what any, you know what's going to be in this game at all. Unlike what we could speculate would be in remake, we have. Really no idea what's in this, uh, what has been billed as a two-chapter DLC. Really no clue. So kind of the less information would have been really nice, and I will not ruin that for you guys. But if you watch the trailer, it's in there. <laughs> and, well, there you go. I'm still super hyped about it. It looks so much fun. Um, so if you want to check out the final trailer, just be warned that there is some uh, some stuff in there. And uh, don't have too much longer to wait as this one is coming out June 10th worldwide for PlayStation 5. Um, At the end of the trailer, let's go ahead and talk about this. There is a little snippet on there and it says uh, something to the effect that uh, Remake will only be available for PS5 for at least six months before it is available on any other format. So remember when this came out in April? There was supposed to be that one-year exclusivity thing going on. We are well past that going into May. And it appears that once this June (laughs) uh, remake integrate comes out, it's going to be six months after that for PC and Xbox X Series 1, all the the aboves, uh, can look forward to this game. So that six months would pretty much mean all of 2021. So... I would have to guess beginning of 2022 is when you can start planning to play this on a something other than a PlayStation platform. So that's at least news if you guys have been holding out and waiting for it. You got to wait a little bit longer. Let's talk about what um, co-director Tetsuya Norama said about the development of this series. This is part two. Uh, He said, quote, development is moving forward quite well. I'd like to perhaps make a proper announcement when the timing is right. But Cloud is running through 
Mother Nature. <laughs> so you'll be able to enjoy a somewhat different atmosphere from the first game. Well, things are progressing nicely, so please wait for it. The next game starts directly after Integrate. So I hope you'll get to play Integrate. That's nothing new. We, we, we kind of knew that the next step was, you know, <laughs> heading out of Midgar and uh, onto the world map and getting to explore that. Exactly how that's going to be handled is yet to be uh, shown. Is E3 the place for that? Possibly. Um, we'll just have to wait and see. I, I kind of, you know, as I'm sitting here talking about it and, uh, you know, scratching my beard and, and pondering, you almost wonder if there's going to be a, a little extra. You know, they re, you know, they did all this stuff for Yuffie. Um, is there going to be like a little, you know, let's... For example, at the end of some of the Avengers movies, right? There's the extra scene. What if they treat fans who, you know, either bought or, or download and play Integrate a little extra scene? Them kind of just looking out um, away from Midgard, getting our first glimpse of the overworld. Wouldn't that be awesome, right? I, that's purely just speculation and hopeful thinking, but I think that would be a nice little thing to reward fans. And um, with this coming out June 10th, we're talking about just a few days before E3. So maybe that's also something that could happen as well. As soon as I hear something, I'll let you know. But at least, you know, with this final trailer, I do believe this is the last bit of information we're going to get about this game. And it is on to part two and Final Fantasy 16 for uh, Square Enix, along with maybe... Maybe something else, as Square Enix will host the Dragon Quest 35th Anniversary Special live stream. This is going on May the 26th at 1200 Japan Central Time, the company announced. You'll be able to watch it on YouTube in not only Japanese, but uh, Chinese, Korean, and even into English. This is the first time that uh, they say for the first time in Dragon Quest history, the show will feature live interpretation from Japanese so our international fans can stay up to date with development in the Dragon Quest Series 2. So don't, don't miss it or you'll miss out. May 27th is Dragon Quest Day and to celebrate the 35th anniversary of the series, we're bringing you a special broadcast to showcase all the latest information about what's going on and what's yet to come. In the world of Dragon Quest, the broadcast will consist of two parts. Part one, Dragon Quest Day latest news. Um, they say freelance announcer Natsumi Yuga delivers the latest information on the series currently in operation, on the Dragon Quest titles currently in operation. That includes Dragon Quest X Online, Walk, Tact, <coughs> Quest of the Stars, garbage. Uh, <laughs> Dragon Quest Monster Super Light, Rivals Ace, The Adventures of Die series, and uh, something else. And then part two, Dragon Quest series latest lineup introduction. A talk show hosted by actor J.O.Y. with Dragon Quest 
creator and character designer Yuji Hora to announce the newest lineup in the Dragon Quest series. Oh man, I'm getting kind of, I'm getting kind of goosebumps. So I, okay, first thing they're going to talk about, they're going to talk about these Adventure of Dies mobile offshoot games. We know they're going to talk about those because they are upcoming titles. What's also been, uh, been supposedly worked on for a while, a few years at least, featuring a young Eric from Dragon Quest Eleven and his sister, which a name escapes me at the moment, uh, that is going to be a new mon- Dragon Quest Monsters title. I guess it's number four. I'm not mistaken. I'm not. No, I'm not sure. So that's. But the giant <laughs> elephant in the room that nobody is talking about, but has at least been hinted at in development, is Dragon Quest Twelve. What better opportunity than the 35th anniversary to talk about the future of this franchise? And you're talking 35 years, 1986. So a vast majority of my life has been centered around this series, you know, that and Final Fantasy. And I love it. I I truly do. And I would be beyond thrilled to tune into this thing. As I mentioned for the first time, it's going to be translated into English. I wonder what that, uh, let's see. So if, um, what is going on here? I don't, I don't even know. I think that says to, that'd be 11 o'clock PM on the East coast. Uh, I clicked on the link and it did some sort of translation. So 1200 Japan Central time, Apparently, if if the if this is correct, would be eleven o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time, um, the day before. <laughs> I don't know. This is all weird. We'll have to see how that all works out. Time is a funny, funny thing, especially with time zones and international datelines and all that fun stuff. But uh, yeah, I am. I just kind of caught on to this thing today, and it certainly got me. Really excited about it. And, I mean, it's been a while. It's been more than a few years since 11 came out, so it is high time with a new console to talk about 12. I would not expect anything to be shown. I'd be even <laughs> more over the moon if something did, uh, was shown, but I'm not expecting um, anything uh to that sort. Uh, quickly, if you're in Japan and, uh, we, you know, they just opened uh, Super Nintendo Land, right? And I think they had to close it momentarily with another outbreak, but Japan just gets all the cool stuff, right? So uh, here in two days, there will be the grand opening of Dragon Quest Island on Saturday, the May the 15th. The Nujin Nomori Amusement Park will be selling tickets for this that, uh, I'm sure very expensive, but um, how <laughs> how awesome would that be to uh, not only to go to Japan, just period, but to uh, go to someplace like Super Nintendo Land or Dragon Quest Island. I mean, there's a giant slime outside this castle. I mean, it, let's be honest, it could be pretty cheesy, but <laughs> I don't care. I would still gladly uh, go to it in a heartbeat and check it out. But yeah, we got some fun Dragon Quest Dragon Quest stuff to talk about. Uh, I guess that would be here in uh, two weeks or so on a podcast. I will let you know as soon as I hear something.
got a couple of stories from the world of Scarlet Nexus. Uh, let's see, quickly, the first one was the announcement that the anime that's based off the games will begin airing on July 1st. Um, Bandai Namco announced this. I believe this is going to be kind of over um, in Japan. I don't know. Don't see anything as far as uh, going international or not. Maybe that might happen. At some point, there was a new trailer for this anime series. Very closely looks akin to the video games, and that's definitely a good thing. If you're curious how this one looks, head over to our YouTube channel, and you can check that out. Um, if you're really curious how this game is looking, there was a boatload of different outlets from Game Informer to GameSpot to IGN, VG247, all kind of, I guess, some sort of <laughs> um, date, hit, and time that everybody was able to jump their first impression um, videos out there. And uh, final hands-on previews, that's what they're called. Um, so you can check the interwebs for your favorite video game platform uh, other than this one <laughs> to check out that stuff and see what they thought about. But even better than that is you will get a chance to check this game out because there's a demo coming. The demo will launch on May the 21st for Xbox Series and Xbox One and May the 28th for PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5, according to the game's official Japanese website. Um, you may say, well, that's not fair. Why does Xbox get it a week before? It's, it's a demo, A. <laughs> it's not the game. But um, I could have told you this was coming a mile away. If, if you've seen any of the trailers for this game uh, from the beginning, what's the first thing that pops up? Xbox. So... Obviously, they have uh, backed the old cash truck up <laughs> to Bandai Namco and said, look, we know we can't get this game before anybody else, but give us something here. Put us, you know, at the beginning and, okay, well, here you go. Here, for all that cash, your stores will get the demo first. So, in theory, they could get some pre-orders for those platforms. But, I mean, we've as we've stated before, I mean, and not just myself, but most people is... Most people do not have an Xbox to play JRPGs. It's just not a platform that has been supported over the years. I, I'm all for every system being able to get these games. Don't get me wrong. Um, but that's that's what they paid for, and they can get the demo a week earlier than PlayStation owners. Um, I will say this. It, it's, I'm kind of split on demos. Like I like to play them. For games I'm looking forward to, if I'm on the fence about a game, a demo is a great way of knowing whether I really want it or not. This game, I feel like a demo is a great thing. Um, speaking personally, I'm, I'm on the fence about it. I don't know for certain. So what better way than a demo before the game's release to know if it's really something I want to get or not? And I think a lot of gamers may be feeling kind of the same way. And so... On the 21st of May, if you're an Xbox owner, May 28th for PlayStation owners, we can all check it out for ourselves and see what we think of the, quote, brain punk <laughs> uh, JRPG. There was a little bit of information about it as well, talking about the uh, psychokinetic actions. You can combine psychokinesis and weapons. Uh, very cool stuff. Fight combining Psychokinetic attacks and your weapons in your possession. The more you combo, the higher 
your psychokinetic attack power increases and greater damage that you deal. You can also use objects. Depending on its form, objects can be thrown, slammed, or swung into a variety of attacks. There are also field-specific objects that trigger an additional attack upon it hitting the enemy. There are brain messages. This is how you interact with your other characters. They are sent and received by brain-like email, and conversations at the hideout will trigger character episodes. Complete these episodes to form a bond with that character. So there's your uh, social links aspect of the game. Taking it to a, a little... <laughs> If, if you're not the biggest fan of technology, you know, stuff like this really scares you, I'm sure, as it, I, honestly, even though I'm a huge tech uh, fan, this type of stuff is next level and pretty creepy, <laughs> but it may be where we're heading as a society, who, who knows what the future holds, right? Uh, you can also give gifts. Uh, as you develop bonds with those other characters, uh, the gifts that you give will decorate their personal space, which will make the hideout gradually more wonderful. <laughs> uh, yeah, there you go. So it shows one of the uh, one of the screens shows one of the characters with a bunch of guitars on his wall and some throw pillows and stuff like that. So kind of just add some some fun little human elements to the game. Scarlet Nexus is due out for PlayStation Five, PlayStation Four, Xbox Series. Xbox One and PC via Steam on June the 24th in Japan and June 25th worldwide. I guess no word on that when the Steam demo is going to come out. The uh, article didn't mention that. Um, I don't know. Once I, If I hear anything otherwise, I'll let you know, but maybe, uh, maybe at the same time as PlayStation. I, I don't know. I guess we'll have to wait and see. An interesting story... Um, off the interwebs. So, uh, in short, the Accusa series, after the success of Like a Dragon, will be turn-based from this point going forward. Uh, Rio Gagotu Studio executive producer Nagasoshi uh, told IGN, he said, that's right. The producer said, but if asked if Judgment represents a continuation of the classic Yakuza gameplay style, while the mainline Yakuza series transitions into a turn-based RPG. They continued, the Yakuza series has been transformed into a turn-based RPG. On the other hand, over the year, uh, Ryo Gagokuku Studio has accumulated resources and the know-how of making flashy and exhilarating action games that are effortless to enjoy. We decided we should let our signature action gameplay live on, through Lost Judgment. So there you go. I believe that's the... Uh, so Judgment was the first game. Lost Judgment is the second game. So there can, the earlier Yakuza, more action-based titles, are going to continue into Judgment, while Yakuza is going turn-based. So you take that for what it's worth. I think that's a positive. That's how they're going forward with it. It's You kind of get the best of uh, with both worlds that way. But I... I'm not shocked by this, pleasantly surprised, and it should should be good for both series fans, right? You're still getting it in the Judgment games, whereas us turn-based weirdos <laughs> get to enjoy it further in the Yakuza series. Near fans have had a lot to be excited about here lately. Of course, 
A near replicant is out for fans to enjoy and play on their consoles. Well, near reincarnation, the mobile outshoot of it is coming to the West, and there is the first official English trailer for the game. You can check that out on our YouTube channel. It looks pretty cool. Uh, Pre-registration is now open as well for iOS via the App Store and Android via Google Play. Um, the game came out back in February in Japan, so with pre-registration going on, you should know that... Uh, the game is coming soon. It kind of takes the near formula, turns it into a turn-based bow system, and you can play it in the palm of your hands. You can actually see what they're talking about now that the game is <laughs> um, got some English um, language for you to completely understand. There's uh, the characters. We have some explanation on who and what they are. The first one is called Mama. When the girl of came to, she was collapsed on the stone floor of the cage. Though she is kind and has a bright personality, she wears a collar and bandages for some reason and is plagued by horrible dreams. The girl of light is a mysterious creature who calls herself Mama. She seems to know something about the cage and acts as a god for the girl. And then there's the dark monster character, a strange being that wanders the cage. It resembles the knight, a knight of armor, uh, but is also speechless seems to have some sort of goal game looks interesting um i you know there's little way that i could see the near formula working on smartphones in its current form action games are a little hard to play on mobile platforms so turn-based certainly seems like the way to go if you're going to do it at all uh, <clears throat> so looking forward to this one i'll give it a Probably give it a chance when it comes out and see how how it plays. For a mobile game, the game looks gorgeous, and it does have some. I hope it's not complete gotcha, but uh, maybe <laughs> there are characters from the other near games, so maybe that's uh, how you get those. I'm not sure exactly, but game's coming, and once I get a firm release date, I will let you guys know. Um, me and Dalton talked a little bit about some of the games that are coming first to PC and then possibly coming to consoles later on. I don't know if this one's coming to consoles or not, but um, it is, I think we talked about this one before, Val Valtherian Arc Hero School Story 2 will launch and earn the access for PC via Steam this summer. Publisher P-Cube and developer Agate announced the early access version will ship at a special price with hours of gameplay at launch. Regular updates will include, will gradually implement various new characters, features, areas, and mini games. There was a <coughs> uh, English trailer that went along with this thing. You can check it out on our YouTube channel to get a better idea of it. They say combining the best of the RPG and simulation genre, this sequel places you in charge of a sprawling and highly customizable academy for the next generation of heroes. Take command of the Falcony, uh, nurture a unique and ever-growing roster of students, and earn your place among the most prestigious hero schools in the world. Um, the game aims to, uh, aims to deliver the player to players the feeling of bittersweet joy. 
the pride of having to grow students from nobodies to star students, the satisfaction from winning battles, and the discovery from experimenting with a lot of random elements in the game. Yet even after all that time spent together, time moves on and players must let go of their students to graduate. That's an interesting uh, interesting way of looking at it. Um, most of the time you put all this time and trouble into characters and then they're with you for the entire game. That's certainly not going to be the case with this one. And uh, let's see how I'm, I'm intrigued. I don't love the chibi-esque kind of squatty style of the characters, but the uh, it kind of got a full customization. You can kind of lay out the campus how you want to. So it's got some world building elements to it. I like the, the hook of the game, but don't necessarily know. Of course, I, I don't have a PC powerful enough at the moment, so I might have to <laughs> come over to other uh, platforms for me to enjoy it. Uh, fans who are looking forward to the Caligula Effect 2 now have a second uh, official trailer with nine minutes of footage to check out. It was in Japanese, so you're not going to know what's going on, but uh, it's a long one, and there's a lot. It's It definitely seems to be story-based, and uh, you'll get a chance to check that. Did I talk about this last week? I di did not. No, okay. <laughs> Sometimes I, I forget to know what I, what I talk about and what I don't, so head over to YouTube and check that out. Um, I... <laughs> Almost forgot, but at the last second, I remembered the Golden Week sale and did pick up the original game. I think it normally goes for 50. They had it down to 20. So after many, many people uh, suggested that I should do that, I went ahead and pulled the trigger and, and picked it up. Don't ask me when I'm going to play it, but I do want to check it out. This sequel looks amazing. The battle system looks like so much fun, and I want to see where the game kind of came from in order to get to this sequel point, which uh, should hit us sometime in the fall here in the West. So the last game I want to talk to you guys about, and um, I hinted at it in the opening, this is a game that I've, I've not seen this. So if you were to combine a JRPG with Tetris, you might get a game like Flowstone Saga. It's a uh, coming to the Switch sometime next year. If uh, if you remember, a game came out in 2019 called Tangle Deep. Well, this is the same uh, group of um, same group, uh, Impact GameWorks. This is their second uh, project. Is the first one was kickstarted. This one is uh, seeking Kickstarter funding as well. If Flowstone Saga promises a grand story. Lots of characters to meet in an epic adventure soundtrack, among other things. And it's targeting a 2022 release date. Now, I shared this trailer over on our YouTube channel, so you'll check it out. Because you've kind of got to see it to understand what we're talking about. Uh, the most intriguing fact is the combat. It incorporates a Tetris-style mechanic in which you clear lines to lend attacks on enemies. There will be special blocks to obtain along with the puzzle to solve. But in a nice nod to accessibility, there will be the option to use a hold mechanic, where line-clearing combat is more like a puzzle without the blocks gradually falling. You can have a more challenging, faster-paced combat if you prefer. If you're not good at Tetris, <laughs> you can do that. Um, 
The game currently has a Kickstarter campaign that's off to a decent start, but the developers stress that these funds are not necessary for them to complete the game in the coming year, just to make it that much bigger and better. It's confirmed for Switch along with PC and Mac. Uh, some early demos available uh, later on in the campaign. The funding is to add extra polish and quality to the game, such as live musicians for the soundtrack, more sound effects, animations, and more. Yeah, it's one of those games that, you know, color me intrigued. I, it's still turn-based, so <laughs> you get my attention. It's definitely a Super Nintendo-types graphics style to it. I, I like the overall idea behind it, and it could be interesting. It, it could be a swing and a miss, you know. It's it's hard to really know sometimes with these games, but uh, I'd never seen <laughs> anything like that before and thought it might be something worth uh, bringing to your attention. That is Flowstone Saga. So yeah, like I said, get over to YouTube if you've not already. Go ahead and give us a subscription over there. I think we're uh, getting ever, ever closer to uh, monetization status. And with that, let me go ahead and, uh, uh, since we're all wrapped up here, let's talk about the future here. When I reach that point, I'm going to start implementing a few more features. So this is all kind of going into... Um, we are, we are definitely moving down to JRPG Island, uh, this summer. It's a lot of work ahead of us, but it's going to happen. Um, I've ordered a new graphics card for my computer. So we're going to start doing some different things. <laughs> One of those I really want to do is do a premiere and live chat option actually for the recording of the podcast each week. So I'll let you guys kind of get a behind the scenes look into things as I record them and talk about them. And then once it's all said and done, we can have a little chitty chat and talk about things if you are so inclined. Um, I really want to start doing a lot more live streams to that effect. Um, this is you know moving further down the line. I think my PS4 will be fine to handle that once I get the proper equipment. But uh, ultimately, PS5 was... In the pipeline, speaking of that, that's not coming for a while. If you guys haven't already heard, there's uh, there's going to be shortages into next year for the system. That's just demand and uh, supply is way out of proportion. So that's kind of sad. I don't think I'm going to be able to play Ratchet when it comes out <laughs> or Integrate or anything else. But yeah, that's all plans for the future. We've got some big uh, ideas for this brand that I've spent all this time accumulating and I really would love to make it into I know it's never going to be a full-time job at least I'd really <laughs> it had to grow quite a bit to be that but I would certainly love for it to be at least an income source and way of connecting with you guys beyond the podcast each and every week into something a little more interactive and a lot more fun for everyone involved and if it's waiting for me to make a couple of dollars that makes the wife happy and um, pays the bills better than nothing <laughs> so in the meantime, if you'd like to support this channel, please do so. You can either do it uh, directly through PayPal, uh, if you just want to send a one-time gift, James Fisher Productions, all one word, at gmail.com. You can do it via the link on the Anchor app, or you can do it through Patreon. Just look up JRPG Report. We accept all those kind donations. I truly appreciate each and every one of them. That's going to do it for episode 165. Hope you guys have had fun. Uh, if you want to hear 
me talk about Tales of Berseria. If I've not already talked about it enough on this podcast, uh, I invite you to check out my interview or Harry wants to talk with uh, Dolan over on his Steam Machine podcast. We're going to be recording this weekend. I believe that episode will come out on Sunday. Uh, hide the kids because it is a little more adult oriented. We'll be talking about all sorts of inappropriate things. I'm sure his podcast is a little more crazy, but uh, uh, in a odd twist, we've both been playing the game at the same time. So I will give my thoughts on it and why Ye- it's a must own title in my opinion, and one of the better tales experiences, but we'll talk all about it back and forth on his podcast. So if you don't already subscribe to it, do so. And, uh, We'll talk some JRPGs this week. I'm a, I'm a guest on there from time to time whenever he covers the games anyway, so uh, that's that's always fun. But that'll do it for this one. We'll talk to you guys again next week. My name is James Fisher. This has been your JRPG Report. And don't forget, get back out there and level up.